This podcast is made possible by Host Analytics and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Renee Hornbaker, CFO of Stream Energy, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 324. Private equity tends to have this old old boys club mentality and that the culture can be a little stale and you know, they do a lot of great things, but also it just wasn't really where I fit. So I did a lot of soul searching after conversions to kind of think, okay, where do I belong? And I do have an entrepreneurial spirit. I, it's hard for me to I thrive better in these smaller organizations that have multiple sort of facets to them. This was, Healthbox was attractive to me because it, it was a hybrid of traditional finance and accounting, especially on the fund management side, that's necessary um, from an SEC standpoint, but then also having you know, kind of we're, we're reinventing ourselves, we're, we're still young and changing and, and growing, so I like that. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. I'm Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Stephanie Payne, CFO of HealthBox, a healthcare innovation services firm. Is it an accelerator? Is it a consulting firm? Stephanie answers our questions and exposes a world where startups, investors, and giant healthcare organizations are discovering opportunities together. Our interview with Stephanie begins after these words from our sponsor. It's no secret finance professionals are dealing with some pretty complex problems these days. Now more than ever, they need tools that can help them streamline complex workflows and focus on bigger strategic issues. By bringing your finance organization together on a single cloud platform, Host Analytics automates everyday processes that would otherwise slow you down. By streamlining your planning, modeling, consolidation, reporting, and analytics, Host helps you connect your organization so you can react more quickly to changing conditions and make better business decisions to optimize performance. Let Host Analytics be your partner in leading the evolution of your business. programs with the goal of helping entrepreneurs navigate the complex industry and grow successful businesses. A lot has happened along the way, and we'll be speaking with Stephanie a little bit about that. But first, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's great to have you on with us. And uh, as we always do, we like to begin by finding out a little bit about you and how you uh, entered the CFO office. Uh, share some of the milestones with us in your career that helped prepare you for this role. So I started my career in public accounting. I uh, worked for PwC right out of the gate after college, and it was a good experience, but a short one as I only lasted about two years. I wanted to get a, a lot of experience that knew it wasn't necessarily for me in the long term. 
Um, so I was approached by a recruiter, as I think most people are who leave public accounting, and I moved to Maverick Capital in Dallas, Texas, which was a long, short hedge fund. Um, and that I had always been interested in financial services. I was drawn to it, even in college. And so that was kind of a good opportunity to go in-house at a financial services firm. So I went through what I call uh, hedge fund boot camp. The, the back office of Maverick was very flat. Um, you had a lot of people who'd been there a number of years, and you they all worked together from an operational standpoint to, you know, do the accounting for the funds as well as monitor all the trades, execute the trades, et cetera. So I got to learn from a lot of people at, at varying levels of experience. Um, and then I relocated to Chicago with my husband with for his job, and I went to work for Conversus, where I stayed for about five years and worked under an amazing mentor named Todd Schneider, who was the acting CFO at the time. I was second in command to him. It was um, a $2 billion private equity fund of funds. There was actually an experiment that failed. So it was a what was supposed to provide liquid access to an illiquid asset class. So it was a publicly traded private equity fund of funds, as I said, um, traded in Europe on the Euronext. And really our underlying investor base was very concentrated and there wasn't liquidity in the stock. It just never materialized. Additionally, the stock was trading at quite a discount to net asset value. So I was there from six months after launch until wind down. We literally turned the keys in on, on the lease of our lovely building in downtown Chicago and walked away with my Mies van der Rohe chair that I had taken through through the liquidation. So that was a great experience. I would say just being at a company from start to finish um, and kind of developing policies and procedures and accounting, doing everything from paying paying payroll, um, keeping the lights on, to you know working on the legal agreements, negotiating uh, and evaluating our carry provision within our LLC agreement, um, we had a, a lot of international tax issues due to our underlying, some of our underlying foreign investors. Um, so I, it was it was just a great experience overall, and it helped that I had a great mentor who invested in me, but also I had my first child at the same time, so really really provided that flexibility that I needed to continue to be challenged and grow, but also manage being a mom. So. So it was a great experience, and since leaving help, or since leaving Conversus, I have been at a few startups along the way and landed at HealthFox in 2015 as a CFO and also was fairly new. I joined in 2015, and we were about three years old at the time, so it's still really young. Um, and we have, as you said before, changed our focus, kind of expanded our product offerings from just being an accelerator and working with startups to now we manage a few large funds for for hospitals and health systems, innovation funds that are aimed at investing in healthcare technology. And then we also consult to hospitals and health systems to help them embrace technology, help them sift through all the new options that are on the market in healthcare technology and really make the best choice for their infrastructure and for their organization, while also creating a culture of innovation within their system. Okay, so just thinking about some of what you just shared. What I found interesting is that while your path uh, to the CFO office was inside the fund management realm, uh, which is where very often we see perhaps Wall Street types uh, set down some career routes, uh, your first role within that space was very traditional. It was public accounting, which you were then able to broaden into uh, the fund management area and finance. That's correct. You've got both sides. Um, 
So it's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I think some of that's personality, right? Um, not that all accountants wear green visors and are, you know, quiet and like to be at their desk. Um, but I think it, it just I wanted something a little different than a traditional accounting role. And then, as you explained, the, the real broadening uh, from a career point of view that you experienced it was uh, sort of yet to come. It would happen uh, at Converses. So I think what, what really happened was I was able to see how to run a fund management business inside and out um, and actually be responsible for several areas within operations and accounting that I wasn't responsible for previously and that the CFO gave little oversight to. So I worked primarily, I spent a lot of time on, on our tax, tax filings, which we had about 400 of those per year. And tax was something I never thought I would be interested in. But we had a great partner at PwC who really held our hands and, and kind of helped me really understand all of our tax structure. And so that was something that the CFO really just let me run with. And so I kind of took ownership of that, and he wasn't as involved in that. Um, and then over time, also, you know, there were other things. So just with typical fund structures, you have a management company that has its own books, and then you have the funds where the investments sit, and they have their own books and records. And so just being able to really oversee both, be the first line of review and oversee the accounting and operations for, bo for both sides of the, the fund and the management company was, was a step up for me for sure, um, and just having ownership over those processes and procedures. Okay, so let's find out uh, something about uh, HealthBox. Uh, and, and can I call it an incubator still? What would you call this? Uh, you know, <laughs> I would not call an I wouldn't call it an incubator. Incubator really, really is where people come in and try to you know design ideas and start from scratch. Um, we work with early stage. We do still have a component of our business where we work with early stage healthcare technology startups to help them gain traction. So we're moving a little bit later into the spectrum. So now we have one, um, what we call a studio, which is where we work, an accelerator where we work with the startups. We have one of those per year. We used to have four. We only have one, and it's sort of a best-in-breed uh, program. Um, so what really the way we define ourselves is, um, you know, helping healthcare organizations transform and embrace innovation inside and out. So we help healthcare institutions by consulting with them and helping them choose the best solutions just because we've seen so many startups in health tech over the year over the course of our studios that we can be we can advise on that we're equipped to advise on that um, so we we really just work with hospitals and health systems as well as you know kind of goes beyond that we have we've worked we've spoken with and worked with pharmaceutical companies as well but helping them really embrace an innovative culture and then also help them to sift through all the technology on the market and make the best choice in, on what startups to work with and partner with and which, which new technologies to implement. Okay. Now, what, are the, what would your key metrics be then that you're, you're so, keeping a close eye on these days? Key metrics, cash, because we're a young company. <laughs> so cash, cash and collections um, are very important to us. We're so young in our infancy and kind of, figuring out who we are. Um, so I'm always, I spend a lot of time with cash management. Um, otherwise, we, we, we pay a lot of attention to our funnel. So we're constantly evaluating what, what are our active conversations, what do we expect, the likelihood of those closing, and who, you know, who, how will we staff those if they are closed. So I'm, we're, we're kind of always trying to figure out, are we, are we overhiring or underhiring, or where, we're, where are we? Are we staffed appropriately for the upcoming engagements that we're staffing? So help me better understand then, what is the offering? Is this a consulting offering? 
<laughs> I would say so. Half of our revenue streams come from consulting, and the other half come from fund, fund management. And so we're kind of a hybrid fund management and consulting business. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. I get it. Sorry, I'm not doing a good job of explaining. No, it's it's it, it is a uh, it's a really interesting model, though. And I would imagine that someone like yourself. One of the skill sets you had to adopt, because this is really an ecosystem, the way in my mind anyway, you have all these contacts with perhaps uh, all different types of healthcare uh, companies, some very large, uh, that, that are looking to leverage innovation and understand better where things are moving. I would imagine that's Correct. part of the world. You have a lot of these little startups and, and uh, new ideas, um, and you have investors who are uh, part of your your world exactly and exactly. you're sort of at the center of this right. absolutely yes so that's what yeah, as, so, a, as a finance leader that's a lot of points of contact where a lot of finance leaders are known to be siloed you're not siloed exactly. which is actually great for me because i think so i did make a brief stop at adam street partners a huge 27 billion dollar private equity fund fund best in breed and it's a great shop i still i love their cfo quentin kevin and I was grateful for my time there, but I think I, I stopped there right after Converses. And I think I realized at that point, I, it's hard for me to I thrive better in these smaller organizations that have multiple sort of facets to them. And that, you know, that where my role is one of more, it's both operational and accounting and finance. Um, but it's definitely not your typical Fortune 500 CFO role. Um, so that's something I've enjoyed. And that's something that I think I was searching for after I left Converses. Um, kind of, you know, private equity tends to have this old, old boys club mentality and the, the culture can be a little stale and, you know, they do a lot of great things, but also it just wasn't really where I fit. So I did a lot of soul searching after conversions to kind of think, okay, where do I belong? And I do have an entrepreneurial spirit. My dad is a serial entrepreneur and has had, you know, a lot of businesses that, that kind of cut across many industries. And so this was Healthbox was attractive to me because it, it was a hybrid of traditional finance and accounting, especially on the fund management side. That's necessary um, from an SEC standpoint, but then also having you know, kind of we're we're reinventing ourselves. We're we're still young and changing and, and growing. So I like that. I, I, you know, is talent a big part of this? I mean, I think I think Absolutely. the type of organization you've created though is also innovative in terms of how. You're able to, uh, you know, leverage talent. You know, how, how would you tell us the, the talent economy works in your favor? So I think people, uh, we do count the talent war as real, um, but I think we get inbound requests and resumes all the time because people are excited about what we're doing and the fact that we're trying to have a positive impact on healthcare, but yet we're still young and growing and and they can have, you know, have a direct hand in our growth. So we're, we're small. We're 15 people. I think at our height, we've kind of gone in and out of our different offerings, but at our, our biggest, the biggest our team has been is 20 um, over the past five years, which in private equity and venture, that's not uncommon. Um, in consulting, it is uh, to have a small, you know, a small consulting shop like that. But we do expect a lot of growth on our consulting side, and we're kind of staffing toward that. I would say, we, we kind of went through a culture, a big culture change last year. Our founder left the business in the summer of 2016, and we promoted um, one, of our, one of our consultants to president, and he, he's really just taken it and run with it. And one of the things that was, 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 we were struggling with at the time was, under the original founder, was just the, the turnover. Turnover was hard. It was hard. We were a young company. 
Um, there's, you know, the, the whole lean startup mentality of hire fast and fire fast. But unfortunately, that has a toxic impact on culture. So we kind of came together, um, Neil Patel, our president, and I at the time and kind of said, how do we turn the ship around? How do we, you know, we have to, in order for us to be innovative and to foster innovation, we have to have a, we have to have a staff that actually feels valued and can do their best work. And so how do we how do we do that? And so we kind of, we launched a number of initiatives. We started doing something we call, and this is something I'll refer to if you ever ask about a book, but the books that I recommend, but we read, we had a, um, a team book club and we read Radical Candor by Kim Scott. She's a former um, Apple and Facebook staffer who managed large teams there and worked directly with Cheryl Sandberg. And she kind of came up with this methodology of managing teams with you know, constant feedback but creating a safe personal space. So, you know, showing that you care personally and really investing in the relationship with the people that report to you and that you report to with throughout the team. And then that way you can have ongoing feedback that goes all ways, up, down, and side to side. So that's one thing that we've implemented in the past, you know, six to nine months that's really improved our culture, I think. Um, and really just communication and transparency uh, from the higher level. So we're very clear about where we are from a cash standpoint and what conversations are happening on the consulting side um, and some of any of the challenges that we have with the business. We're very clear about that with our staff when that wasn't always the case in the past. So, so yeah, so culture is really important to us and it's something that, you know, we invest a lot in our people and we value them and we want them to know that and understand that, but we're, and we're still a startup. So we're kind of, the more we can do over time, the more we will do. So that, yeah, that I would say that people seem to be drawn to that. They're drawn to that type of culture and I'm approachable our president's approachable I have coffee regularly with people at all levels in our organization all 14 of them or 13 of them besides me um, and I think that's important an important part of my leadership style is to be approachable and, and I think that's definitely possible in a small organization it's, it's harder in larger, larger organizations I can respect that but it's, it's, it's possible where I'm at I just want to uh, circle back one last time. We we have uh, talked about your path to the CFO office, and I'm what I'm curious about uh, your peers and the professionals in this space. And uh, do, you know, did they take a similar path uh, as you did? You know, some of them did. A lot of them started in public accounting. A few started in investment banking, actually, and then left investment banking to become CFOs. Um, but yeah, I would say actually they did, they kind of got, you know, they kind of got tired of the very, and I'm not saying private equity, there are people that belong in private equity and that love that type of culture and that type of environment. And then there are those that want something a little different. And so I think most people kind of found their way to something like this. Um, but we're pretty unique in that we're a fund manager in a consulting company. I don't really know a lot of them. A lot of my peers are in Chicago. We have a group of CFOs of both small and large private equity and venture capital firms that meet for lunch every month. And a lot of their firms are just traditional private equity and venture capital firms. So here, you know, clearly there are differences between the venture CFOs and the, the PE CFOs a little bit, but, but in general, there aren't a lot of people, there are a lot of people doing what we're doing. And actually, the CFO of Techstars, I connected with her recently, which is, you know, one of the largest accelerators and kind of similar to what we started as. But um, she, I think her background is completely different. She lives in Boulder and just took, you know, maybe I think she worked at a construction company at one point. So interesting. I, I do think uh, there's a wide mix. Uh, and this is a good time for us to sort of segue uh, 
uh, to our mentoring round, where we always like to begin with the question, Stephanie, what is one thing that's exciting you about business and finance right now? Um, I think technology and just the fact that you you know, we go into accounting, a lot of younger, maybe younger folks think you, you kind of have this idea of what an accountant does. You go, you book some journal entries, you review the financials, and you send them out. But that has changed so much. And even in small businesses, it's constantly changing. Um, we're evaluating new systems all the time to handle day-to-day tasks that are accounting and operational focused. So I think, you know, it really can be exciting, despite what people think of accounting. Um, so it, it, it is exciting. It's, if you came in and did the same thing every day, although some people may prefer that and they have personalities for that, we would lose our minds. I would lose my mind. So I like the fact that if I see something that seems to be inefficient, a process that's inefficient, I can go out to my network and say, how do you guys tackle this? Is there a system out there that can handle this? that's better than what we're currently using. So just kind of keeping an eye on the constant innovation that's happening in the market from an accounting and operations technology standpoint. I'm talking about things such as, you know, using um, Insperity or a PEO for outsourcing your back office or your HR and payroll operations. That's not new, but there are new providers. We use benefits, and even through all their troubles, they've been great for us. Um, but we're also evaluating every year. We look at it and say, is there someone better? Is there someone that can make my life easier so I can still run a very lean organization and focus on the things that matter? So as I just like, I like the idea of outsourcing some but not all, and technology plays a large role in that. So when you entered the CFO office for the first time, what do you wish someone had told you on the very start of your CFO career? Hmm, that's a good one. I think we tend to, when we're not in that chair, we don't see all that a CFO manages. And so you tend to discount that or not see the actual work that's produced by a CFO. Um, So I think for me, it would just be be transparent about the things you're working on with your team so they can learn from that as well. So that they understand that, you know, kind of all that the role entails. And even show them, bring them into things. Todd Schneider, who I talked about earlier, would bring me in on calls, especially when Converse was in the was in the midst of our wind down that I probably shouldn't have been in on, or that didn't really weren't related to the work I was doing. But I was I was able to learn a lot from those. And it was you know calls with our legal counsel, disputes between the different partners of the fund. So it was you know I think it, it's just understanding that the, the you know the breadth of all the things you're touching, and then allowing kind of it's good for us to allow those below us, the up-and-coming CFOs, to kind of see that. Is there a personal habit you have that you believe has contributed to your professional success? Um, I would say it's not a good one. It's actually one that I'm trying not trying to be better at not doing, but it's that I feel a sense of urgency about everything. So I think when I was younger, this allowed me to be a taskmaster and to, to shine at times uh, because I would just GSD, get shit done. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that, you know, that sense of urgency, there, the list will always be there. And that I really need to do a better job of prioritizing and not feeling that everything's all urgent at once. I remember the same mentor, Todd Schneider, telling me at one point when I worked for him that he would actually hold things back from me that he knew needed to get done because he didn't want to overwhelm me because he knew I would try to tackle them right away. And if he knew my plate was already full, he wouldn't, he wouldn't add them to my plate because he could see just could see the amount of stress and pressure. So, so I think I'm trying to get better at prioritizing, but yeah, so I'm taking that positive and kind of, you know, melding that over time. You're already um, 
named a book for us, which I imagine uh, when I asked this question, what book would you recommend to aspiring finance leaders? What was the title of that book again? Um, it was called Radical Candor by Kim Scott. And how did you did you uh, did you hold a session with the with the workforce, or how did you uh, introduce the sort of the knowledge? We did actually. Yeah. We did. This was our um, president's idea to have a book club. We all wanted to read it, and we thought the best way to get the most out of reading it as a team was to actually have a book club, read it, read a chapter a week, and discuss it in our Monday team meeting. So we did that, and, and we had different people lead each session of the meeting and talk about pros and cons. At the end of the day, we ended up loving the book, and we embraced a lot of her methodologies. In fact, we already had, in a way, this just kind of verified what we were doing in our approach. But we also, there were times where there were things that, that were in the book that really applied to large organizations and that didn't make sense for a smaller one. So we, we kind of had to, you know, adapt it for our small organization. And then, you know, ultimately there were those who didn't agree with that at all. They felt that it wasn't, it wasn't a good approach and they kind of kept it to themselves. But, um, but it, it was a good dialogue to have. And I think it brought us closer together as a team in general. And we're doing the same thing now actually with a healthcare focused book called The Patient Will See You Now. I don't have that author right in front of me. It's a doctor, but um, but we're doing the same thing now, and it's it's really about how you know kind of the, sh the shift of power between the doctors being the one in the driver's seat and kind of withholding information from patients for their own benefit, quote unquote, to know the doctor should really be forthcoming and full disclosure and allow the the patients to actually help drive the bus for their um, path to wellness. I just googled for you, Eric Topol is the author. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're on chapter three of that. So far, so good. I'm, I'm liking it. But definitely, it's been, it's led to a lot more very technical healthcare dialogue. We have a, a chief medical officer who's a cardiologist on our staff, and, you know, he has a lot of strong opinions, but he's also very open. He has a growth mindset, so he's not fixed in his thinking, and um, he's embraced it. But it's just, it's pretty cool to hear his perspective on some of these things. Uh, Stephanie, CBiz was good enough to connect us, so I promised to mention that you are also a finalist in their annual CFO photo contest. What, uh, how did you win this distinction? This, uh, what exactly well, were you up to? So I put, um, I saw, I came across my my email from CBiz, and it was the contest is, I think, tell us what you do in your downtime, like prove that you're a fun CFO. So I thought it sounded interesting, and why not? There was a summer, like I think there was a a travel package you could win if you were the winner. So so I put a picture of myself doing yoga on a paddleboard, a stand-up paddleboard in the water. I think I was doing crow position, which is a, an arm balance position. And, um, all of course, all of my team members voted for me, and then I put it on Facebook for my friends and family. So I made it to the finals, but I have to tell you, I did not win. I thought you had it clinched, but then I saw the competition – Somebody was uh, barefoot water skiing. I thought he was just water skiing. That's I know. Water. That's, that's, that's barefoot crazy. water skiing. That's, that's not easy to do. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Thought Leader listeners, we hope you're enjoying our interview with CFO Stephanie Payne. She certainly has had some insightful responses to our questions, some interesting stories along the way. If you have a moment, go ahead and give us an iTunes review. Uh, iTunes is hungry to learn more about different podcasts. We'd love for you to tell them about ours. Don't go anywhere. Stephanie's about to tell us her 12-month finance leader priorities right after these words from our sponsor. Thanks for listening.
You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, we have our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Oh. So my, um, my number two guy just left to go to business school. So I think it is really taking a fresh look at his day-to-day. We have a, I have a replacement for him who is amazing so far. But really taking a look at the operations at the lowest level and kind of evaluating, are we? Are there, is there anything we need to kind of refresh or change, change our processes? You know, take and take a fresh approach on, um, and then also just kind of staying, paying attention to cash, continuing to monitor our, our sales funnel. I, you know, we're still building our culture as well, and it's something that I really care a lot about. We're hiring a lot currently, so getting involved in the hiring process and making sure that that goes off well. But I would say that's about it. I think we also, we just actually decided to outsource our fund administration to a small fund administrator in town in Chicago called Stern Costello. That transition has been taking up quite a bit of time. So we just need to kind of see that through and make sure we get set up and everything runs smoothly and our investors get the information and reporting that they need going forward. Stephanie Payne, thank you for joining us on CFO. Yeah, thank you. It's Jack Sweeney with a quick note that CFO Thought Leader now has a quarterly print magazine. That's right, print. Each issue will profile 25 different CFOs. Let me repeat that, 25 CFOs. Other uh, print publications are lucky if they're able to bring you five CFOs per issue. What we understand is that you want to consume content in multiple ways. But wait a minute, there's something more here. We wanted this print magazine to be a podcast companion. So when you receive it, we want you to quickly thumb through it and maybe identify which episodes you have missed. We want you to dog ear those pages, as well as uh, perhaps the pages that feature CFOs from episodes you already listened to but found maybe a little extra value from. 12 months later, you will have a library of 100 CFO profiles highlighted with your insights or comments alongside the CFO thought leaders. Now, how much are we charging for this one-of-a-kind 100 CFO profile library? Annual subscriptions are $119. We think that's reasonable. We thought about it a little bit, but that's, that's what we came up with. Uh, visit us and subscribe to CFO Thought Leader magazine at cfothoughtleader.com, where the future of finance is listening.